0: It's almost like the e-myth, right? When it comes to business, everybody thinks they can be an entrepreneur, and it's actually not necessarily the case unless you build the right team. And fortunately, I guess my personality just lends really well to uh, screening tenants, right? With all you know, the background in HR that I have, nice. and just you know, gut checks with people and breeding people and being able to know what kind of drama and red flags to look for. Um, fortunately, my first property I ever got to manage was in a really good location, And I wasn't having to be, you know, sort of in that scarcity mindset or that needy position, like, oh, I need tenants, I need tenants. So I think the biggest advice I could say is like, know your avatar, like know who your ideal renter would be, you know, someone who has stable income, stable job. They're not leaving their previous place because they're getting evicted or just a ton of drama, right? So mm-hmm. I guess I've just always been clear, like, who is my ideal avatar when it comes to a client in student works painting? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want someone that's going to try to negotiate you down on price and all the other things. You know, people, some people just can't afford our services. And that's, we can't paint everybody's house either, right?
1: Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. I can't wait. For you to get a chance to listen to this podcast, uh, Corey McKinnon is a real estate strategist, author, speaker. He runs a six-figure coaching business. He's got dozens and dozens and dozens of what they say doors or properties that that uh, he he has in southwestern Ontario. Uh, he spent over 15 years in our in our business and uh, in the student works business, and still continues to assist us in coaching and interviewing and speaking at our trainings, uh, Corey's a great friend and is going to be able to offer you so much wisdom and learning. Um, and I really, if you're at all interested in real estate, he's just got some incredible pearls of wisdom around real estate investing and things to watch for. And I know you're going to love this podcast. So thank you very much. And uh, let's go uh, kick and butt. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, again, enjoy the podcast. Talk to you later, leaders. Corey, thank you very much for uh, spending time with us today. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I know you're off on a uh, uh, family vacation to Arizona, and uh, you know, again, I know how much you value your family time, so, so thank you. No problem,
0: Chris. My pleasure. So, Corey, tell me what you were like before joining our program. Yeah. Great question, Chris. I, I guess I was young. I was always looking for opportunities. So opportunistic and um, just really looking for the right vehicle to be able to plug all my effort and enthusiasm into, you know, I was always looking for, it's crazy. I was looking through like the inquirer type magazines, like, you know, mail $5 to this thing for this business opportunity. And I was like, oh, okay. 12, 13, 15 year old kid looking for things to do. I had a paper route. I you know i i had jobs part time jobs before and they always said well we're not going to give you a management position because frankly you're going to go on to university or college and it's not a good investment for us so we need to put a lifer in that position so i'm um, really just looking for something to plug into at that point okay so so can you think back what your biggest frustration was as a teenager before you got started in your business i guess just finding that right thing you know finding something that when you do put you know 110% effort into you're actually getting superior results in, right? Like lots of times, uh, I think everybody that comes into even your program can confirm that you're really just trading your time for money. So when you can trade your time or effort for, you know, value and results in the economy, that's, that's a huge game changer. So I I guess it was just frustrating that, you know, it's like, I thought my time was worth more than whatever it was back then, 685. Yeah. Yeah. And it was worth more. And you couldn't, you couldn't negotiate anymore, right?
1: Just because that's how, that's how it is, right? You know, and, and again, so commonly, our young leaders find this, the exact same situation. And they're doing what you're doing, right? For me, I used to shovel snow and run a little, uh, you know, landscaping route that then ended up getting bigger. But mostly, it was like, you know, I want to, I you know, own my own time and find
0: a way to make money. So, Corey, what do you still rely on from, from the program? I think the ability to get into rapport with somebody quickly is very, very important. And I think as we move on in society with less and less human interaction, people might actually start to lose that ability as they go on, right? You know, like, can I can I walk into a meeting with somebody within five to 10 seconds, start to understand their personality and know what to talk to them about? For sure, 100%. So I think that's very, very important. And, you know, as a teenager, even back in my day, that was challenging because how many social situations are you put into? Um, I fortunately did a little bit of door to door sales and had been doing some cold calling and stuff before coming to this program. But, you know, now it's like, it's, it's, it's texting and it's, you know, you don't yeah. have the same kind of interaction. How do you build rapport over texting? It's not, as not nearly the same. So, um, getting into rapport quickly with people, I think is very, very important. And, um, you know, just being, being solution oriented, right? You can't focus on the problem. The problem is the object you got to go around. So just yeah. solution oriented, I think is, is hugely important too. Yeah. Well, I
1: know one big thing that I normally focus on with our alumni in in, the, in these uh podcasts is is hey, what did you do post school and what was your career progress? And you know, we had the uh, incredible uh opportunity to work with you for uh you know, 15 years <laughs> in the program, you know, as our uh, senior GM, as a as a district manager, GM, senior GM, vice president, and so basically you played such an enormous role in you know, helping develop our business and, and getting it to further and further stages. I know you still actually help us at trainings and help us, uh, help us do interviews when we get overrun by all sorts of people wanting to, to apply for our positions. You know, because really one of the things I, I don't want the program to be really about is about student works. But I know while you were doing this, you got into real estate, so why don't you talk about about that and what, you know the the early stages of the real estate career, and then we'll we'll spend a bunch of time because I know a lot of a lot of our young leaders will really be interested in and are interested in real estate.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take you back to the very beginning. Um, back in, I think it was actually my second year as a district manager, right? We were, or sorry, my first year as a district manager. You know, I'd look back at the last uh, bunch of years of other district managers and how well they were doing, and. Um, I made good income in my second year as an operator, mm-hmm. so I just, thought, man, it's it's in the bag. I'm gonna go out, and make fifty five, sixty five grand. Who knows, maybe seventy grand in my first year as a district manager, which was great money back then. Right. And unfortunately, we didn't. <laughs> so, uh, but kind of spent like I was, and actually missed a credit card payment or two, mm-hmm. and that actually damaged my credit a little bit. So right. this person who you know wanted to get buying houses and all that sort of stuff actually couldn't. I had to sit on the sidelines or be in the penalty box as They as they say, um, because I wasn't willing to pay two or three percent higher interest. Right. So I, I took that time to really educate myself and learn. There wasn't nearly as many events or seminars or books as there are now, but you know, I did take that time to learn and, and seek out mentors. And I just, you know, looked at my dad. He had always invested in the stock market and in real estate as well. And unfortunately seemed to buy maybe at the wrong time and sell at the wrong time too. Okay. So somebody told me a great quote a long time ago. There's nothing um, no such thing as a uh, as a bad landlord, just an un- uneducated one or an investor, right? Just an uneducated one. So I took that upon myself to educate myself and really, uh, you know, education is nothing unless you actually put it into implementation, right? So yeah, I, I was basically kind of learning from my uh, landlord at the time and he had a six-plex in London, Ontario. And then I remember uh, Heather Gatt called me one day and she's like, Corey, there's a for sale sign on your, on your property where you hold all your payrolls and that sort of stuff. So I was like, man, I thought Mark was gonna call me if you ever wanted to sell this thing, cause over the past, you know, three years I was renting from him, you just throw out random numbers like, Oh, I'll sell it for three fifty, I'll sell it for three sixty five, and the number kept going up, which I understood. And then it was on the market. So he tried to what they call catch a flyer, which is uh, you know, or or hit a grand slam and sell it for way above what it was what it was asking for. He was probably a good twenty five or thirty thousand dollars listed too high back then, which would be about seventy five thousand dollars too high now. Okay. And it kept part on inspection. So Gosh, how many months was on the market? Probably two or three months. It was a very, uh, it was a very balanced market back then. If if then it was a uh, buyer's market, not a seller's market like it is now. And he ended up coming to me and just said, "Look, I know it's not selling. It keeps falling apart on inspection. How about I take care of all the things that keep coming up on inspection, and we'll knock off what was it, twenty five grand?" So I just thought it was a no brainer, right? I negotiated a credit on closing. He knocked off twenty five grand. Did about twenty grand worth of work on the property, and then we closed on it. So. Um, that was a very challenging property to close on To pro- try to close on one of your, you know, a big property back then. There was only one bank that would finance six sixplexes. So, right. and the internet wasn't really a place you could go to learn this stuff. So it was really just learning by trial and error. And this was all in my spare time with student works when you're already working.
1: That's great. And I remember that, that six uh fondly. Um, so I still drive by it when I'm down in London regularly. And, and you still own it, I imagine.
0: Yeah, it's a great property. I don't want, don't want to let go of it. It's doubled in value in the past uh, 13, 14 years. So it's one of those properties where we're going to hand it down to our kids at some point. Um, we're actually going to convert one of the units into an Airbnb unit in the next couple of months and see how that works out. So
1: Yeah, so, so one of the things that always interests me about real estate is, is I have friends and I, I hear they're so, they so struggle with their tenants. And I know you don't. How can you
0: consistently keep getting great tenants? Great question. I think it's almost like the e-myth, right? When it comes to business, everybody thinks they can be an entrepreneur and it's actually not necessarily the case unless you build the right team. Right. Unfortunately, I guess my personality just lends really well to uh, screening tenants, right? With all you know, the background in HR that I have nice. and just you know, gut checks with people and breeding people and being, uh, being able to know what kind of drama and red flags to look for. Um, Fortunately, my first property I ever got to manage was in a really good location. And I wasn't having to be, you know, sort of in that scarcity mindset or that needy position like, oh, I need tenants, I need tenants. So I think the biggest advice I could say is like, know your avatar, like know who your ideal renter would be, you know, someone who has stable income, stable job. Um, they're not leaving their previous place because they're getting evicted or just a ton of drama. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess I've just always been clear, like who is my ideal avatar when it comes to a client in student works painting, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want someone that's going to try to negotiate you down on price and you know, all the other things, you know, people, some people just can't afford our services and that's, we can't paint everybody's house either. Right. So right. I can't read everybody either. And especially when you can, when you have your rents a little bit above average or at least at average, then you're going to, basically at detract a bunch of the different people that you shouldn't be uh, you shouldn't be renting to. And it's just, you know, doing a lot of the things that you should actually do. Like a lot of landlords are just so eager to fill their units, they're afraid to have it go vacant for even half a month. So they'll put they'll make these decisions based on, you know, dollars and cents instead of like business logic, like, hey, that just isn't a logical person to put in my one of my biggest investments or assets that I own, right? Right. And do the things that you're Post it, right, do the background checks. Ask to get, ask them to get a credit check. You know, you, you can actually do it. You can put that all on the tenant and just say, look, can you go on Equifax, pay for the twenty three ninety five uh, dollar option, and get your credit score pulled off and share it with me? You know, it's it's private information. I don't need to have a copy of it, but I do need you to bring it to the showing and or to our lease signing if that's the route that we end up going. So, and I fortunately, I look I look out for uh, young professionals, PhD students. Um, I, I try not to rent to, you know people that are on assistance and stuff like that. I mean, it just isn't the right, you know, people like to live around other people that they're most like, right? And if I'm already renting to young professionals and people in their 20s and 30s, then, you know, that's typically the avatar that I'm looking for.
1: Okay. Yeah, no. And I know one thing you used to do um, was when you used to rent to students, you'd have parents uh, co-sign the the lease. And if
0: they didn't co-sign the lease, then they they wouldn't get the property. If the kid's parent won't co-sign for them, there must be some issues there. So that just, that just does a lot of the screening for me. Totally. And it's pretty, it's, it's normal in the industry for, you know, a parent to co-sign and, and our company policy is actually anybody under 25 who doesn't have extensive work experience, doesn't need a co-signer. And, you know, you, you can't put too much weight on different things in your application process, but every landlord is actually allowed to have their own checklist of, or their own waiting system for how they do their applications. So if I ever had anybody say, Hey, you know, why did that person get the unit instead of me? I can just say, hey, that person actually had a higher score than you. And we rate, you know, job and this and that much higher than you might think. And I know as well, like, I remember having convers- conversations with you, not 100% clear.
1: Uh, and that's why I'm asking you. It seems to me, Corey, like sometimes you actually, it's like you have a competition for people to get your place. Like you run kind of like an open house. So how does that work? That just seems to be fantastic way to, way to do
0: it. Yeah. And these, these are kind of like ninja strategies, right? So I always tell people, you know, at first get really good at the basics, just like anything, right? Uh, what was that? You know, the famous basketball player coach every year it would just be like, this is how, literally how we put our socks on, right? Like
1: just, yeah, J- John Wooden, John Wooden, this is a basketball or that was Vince Lombardi. This
0: is a football, John Wooden. Here's how you put your socks on. You got to get really good at the basics. You know, you got to get really good And for landlords. That's just like, you got to get really good at just maybe generating leads for your, for your tenants, uh, for your property, for people to rent it. But once you get good, you know, your avatar and you've done this a bunch of times. And typically you always have like more than one person that could rent the unit. So um, I've never done actual open houses because I find that you, you miss that opportunity to connect with people unless you have two or three people there helping you. I usually do 15 minute showings, So we'll, we'll book them uh, 15 minutes, you know, back to back to back. And it's actually good when other people see competition. It's like, oh, that person's earlier, that person's late or whatever. Then they can see the competition coming in. I've seen people trash talk each other on the way out to the road and back or whatever, right? I just always leave them with like, it's even better when it's not me doing the showings, but when one of my rental agents are doing it. I just tell them like, hey, feel like the conversation is going well. End off by saying, hey, is there anything else I should let the owner know about your application? You know, is there anything that you'd be willing to do to stand out above and beyond from other people? And we just kind of give them a couple ideas like, would you be willing to sign a two year lease? Would you be willing to um, pay three months instead of just first and last? You know, uh, would you be willing to right. co signer? Um, and then that almost leaves it open to them like, oh, geez, I thought they were going to say like, would you be willing to pay more, more rent? So sometimes they just offer that up. I just had a person pay six months rent up front because that's what he, he wanted to do to win the, win the place, right? And that's great for cash flow and right. extra money now to go and do renovations or whatever it might be. So in a hotter market, you can do that. If, if you're in a market, if you're in a smaller city and you're really struggling to just find people to, to rent your place, you can probably still do some of those things, but you, your expectations would have to be lower. And you know, these are just it's all reverse selling, right? It's just like when we're, you know, when we're looking to hire painters and when we're looking looking to hire operators, um, you know, we're not going after them. It's like, hey, why why do you want to do this? Why should why should you come and rent here?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And so for our young leaders, uh, what Corey was re- really referring to is really one of the values of our of student works is one must earn the right to work here. So one must earn the right to write one of Corey's places. But if you think about it, Corey's coming in, has invested. I've seen Corey's, Corey's place. Sorry, a number of Corey's places. Corey has a lot of places. but And they're well put together. They're cared for. They're well invested. So it's like, look, I put hard hard work and money into this. I'm a responsible landlord. I follow up. I, I'm on top of things. I know that because I've been out with Corey. Corey responds. And so it's like you're, you're going to have an opportunity to move into this great place. You know, I want to get good people. What are you willing to do? And it's the same thing when we're recruiting people, you know, as, as as operators, as painters, as window cleaners. What are you willing to do? Here's all the stuff that we've invested in. Here's our brand. Here's what we're doing. What are you willing to do? And and the the thing is, is that it does attract better people. And then you run into less problems. Because, you know, Corey and I have had past alumni who haven't, you know, sought the counseling and coaching of Corey, who've, who've had houses damaged and, you know, wrong person in the place and just really, really ashamed. There really is a lot to the r- real estate business. So first question, what makes the real estate
0: business such a real estate bis- great business? And then I'm going to ask you the opposite, but what makes it such a great business, Corey? Sure. I mean, I like buy and hold rental properties because there's there's multiple different ways that you make money uh, through a longer term process with it. And you have a lot more control over that investment than, let's say, the stock market. OK, so if I go and buy shares in Walmart, I can't influence what the shares of Walmart are doing. OK, like you got to be a billion dollar game to be, you know, buying and selling billions and billions of dollars worth of that stock to even influence it or be on national news and, and have something really bad to say about that company for the, to, to even move a little bit. But with the real estate property, I just like it. I can touch it. I can feel it. And I know what the bank, what will make the bank uh, look at this as a higher value or property or piece of real estate if I can improve certain things, right? It's pretty simple. You decrease the expenses, you increase the income. And there's lots of different ways you can do that over time. But, you know, you also have appreciation. If appreciation is going up in your in your city, that's great. That's not something that I personally bank on. But you know, you're getting your mortgage pay down, you're getting your rents that are coming in, you're able to uh, depreciate the property on your tax, taxable uh, income, uh, tax return. And, you know, there's just so many benefits, right? When it comes to real estate, you make, you make money like five or six different ways, and you actually have a lot of control over how that happens and how the value of the property is looked at by the banks and the, and the marketplace really too, right? So if I want to sell that property, there's lots of things you can do that make it appeal more, make it to maybe appeal more to people's emotions and their logic too. Right.
1: And so what makes it a challenging business? Because again, I see people who have gone into it and then gotten out of it and it feels
0: like they got their butt torched. (laughs) For sure. Well, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning, but not everybody is meant to be a landlord, right? Because when you, uh, I guess we sort of started talking about the EMF, and, you know, there's natural artists, you know, people that are just maybe really good at uh, renovating a property, but they're not great with filling it. Um, There's, People that are really good with the entrepreneurial side of things, like they will have spreadsheets after spreadsheets and like way more detail than what I ever have. It's like, let me tell you to the penny of what this could make, right? And then you have people that are just natural born leaders and managers that are really good with just managing people in the process and the projects. You know, that's where my strength comes in. I'm kind of bouncing between maybe 60% manager leader and then 40% of that entrepreneurial side. And I, I can do the hands-on stuff, and I can, I can see the vision. Maybe I, I might need to see a floor plan or work with someone like your wife interior designer, right, and just say, this is what it can be. Because um, they've been through thousands of properties, and they just know. So when you can put all those different people together, and that's why it's not a bad thing to sometimes hire a, a landlord or a you know, property management company to look after your property. It's not a bad thing if, if it just doesn't suit your time or personality. Mm-hmm. But other reasons why people will get torched, is um they're too eager to do a deal so they'll just go and buy any piece of property that doesn't have a lot of the fundamentals in place to the property i'm a right. believer of buying uh, evergreen you know buying in good parts of town that have good demographics coming into that town uh, don't buy properties that have had frankenstein weird type renovations or small bedroom sizes or just you know things that won't actually help you because someday you might have to actually sell this thing right so you want to make sure that it's, it's appealing on the way in and on the way out or you're actually able to right changes and do that yourself fairly easily when you buy it. Other reasons, I guess they just don't uh they've never gotten any mentorship or understanding of how to do this sort of stuff. These these are big numbers at play and people can do a lot of damage. So you gotta be you gotta be careful about who you rent to, right? Yeah.
1: And the the thousands, literally thousands of interviews for you, right? Like, you know, just at, at student works and obviously, you know, hundreds or I don't know what the numbers are for for you in your real estate business. And 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 you you always have been really amazing at. Selecting people, identifying people, seeing, you know, and again, identifying, seeing the problems. Hey, hold on, let's not, let's not pull the trigger on that person. And so a lot of that is experience, I imagine. But but one thing that that has constantly um, you know inspired me, and and you know, frankly, we're very similar in this regard is is we've really invested a lot of our life in in personal development. But if you could share a little bit, I know one thing that you've mentioned a number of times, and leaders, we highly recommend this book. It's called The E Myth. Okay. You know, totally go go pick that up. It's a great, it's a great book. What
0: other courses, where else have you gotten your your mentorship and guidance and learning over the years? Sure. And I might just back up to the last question because I, I thought of another analogy that might really help people. Oh, please. Thank you. If you just bought empty houses and you just had to manage the houses, that'd be very easy. Just make sure the heat's the heat's working in the wintertime and that the pipes don't burst and that you keep a roof on it and all that sort of stuff. So that's property management. Really you're dealing with personalities. So it's it's really people management when you're dealing with tenants and that sort of stuff, right? That's why some people will shift over to the storage game because they're not dealing with um, all the personalities and what a personality can do in your property. I've heard horror stories of people that don't like their landlord. So they're like, yeah, you know, lease is over. Oh yeah. I clean the place and I'll put the keys in the mailbox and they just turn on all the taps and let the place just overflow until the, the until the landlord can get there. Right. So you can do some not nice stuff in the world, but it'll come back. Karma's a real thing for sure. So yeah, I believe it. First of the only question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great podcasts out there right now. Um, you know, there's um, a lot of great books that people can uh, can kind of latch on to. I'm a big fan of um, Gary Keller's work. So he's written a lot of a lot of books on real estate. And he also, he obviously owns the uh, Keller Williams franchise too. So I think if people haven't read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, it's, it's a great book. It's um, sort of a story or a fable. And there's a lot of truth to it, though, too. And, you know, get yourself a mentor. I mean, get somebody that's that's been doing this for a long time. And, you know, if it means that you need to go and volunteer with them for free or pay them a little bit to kind of, learn from them. I think it's, it's definitely money worth well spent. And I've much like you, Chris, I've spent well over a quarter million dollars in my own personal development and education. And it always comes back. It's one of the best investments you can do is an investment in yourself and your own knowledge, especially in things that you really enjoy and that you really like. You know, If you love personal development and leadership and investing, then go and spend some money and get around some of the best people in the world and learn from them.
1: Are you enjoying the episode so far? I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I've always thought that saying was inaccurate. I believe more accurately, it's who you know who think highly of you and would be willing to refer you. I wanted to let you know, I put together an amazing package for you. The four referability habits advantage. These habits are so powerful that when followed, they completely change the game for people and allow them to operate on a whole other level. If you're interested in getting your hands on the Four Referability Habits Advantage, just jump over to www.leaderspodcast.ca and download it for free. These habits will help you gain the respect of everyone you deal with so that you can land those important referrals in your life and business. Once again, just go to www.leaderspodcast ca and download the four referability habits advantage now back to our leaders of tomorrow podcast i was listening to the gentleman who wrote from uh, good to great and he talks about who luck and just running into people who are just amazing and are uh you know just just again great mentors early in your life and you know people who train you and coach you and I don't know successful people who didn't have a bunch of really great who luck. I had amazing who luck in my life, amazing mentors and guides. And so that is definitely something I can't agree with more. And I know, I know for you, Corey, you've actually, um, not surprisingly, cause you, you, you know, are an amazing coach. Obviously, that's a huge part of what you did in our business. Um, so you've developed a, a coaching business, you know, that, that is really a significant six figure business that you're running on the side. So how's that? Been working, you know, what, what have you found from that? What, have you, what are you enjoying it
0: around that? You know, talk about your personal coaching business. Definitely. I mean, you know, people often on a regular basis would keep coming up to me and saying, Hey, Corey, how'd you do it? How did you do it? You know, or how do, you, how do people get into real estate? Right. And that's why the, the book isn't editing right now. I'm actually writing a book on it. It's also great for leverage. I mean, I can just say, Hey, go read this. And then after you've actually gotten inside my head a little bit, now we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. So the, it's also been my mission just to really serve and give back. Like I don't like to see people struggle. I don't like to see people make these big investments and, you know, just jump into something too quickly or buy buy the wrong asset. So, you know, I'd rather see people buy less and, and do better with it over a long, long-term period of time. And I can knock on wood. I've never, I never really made a bad investment because I, I know the fundamentals of what to look for and they're not all that difficult to figure out when it comes to real estate. Um, yes, I could probably be bigger and I could own more, more things by now, but Hey, it's, uh, you know, I'm on track with what I want to do in life. And uh, the ultimate goal is to pay down $20 million worth of real estate. And we're we're halfway there. We got 10 million and we're not paid down, but we're getting there. So, and the goal is to get bigger, bigger buildings and bigger properties over time. The difference that one, one income property can make in somebody's life and, uh, or even two or three, right. And, it, you know, what these properties can do over a long period of time, once you, they've gone up in value, you pay the mortgage down and there's this whole tax-free component where you can you don't have to sell these things to make, continue to make money of them, you know, over five and 10 year periods, which is pretty cool. Very cool.
1: Very cool. Um, by the way, all coaching arrangements in some way are structured around time. And so Corey tries to cut down the amount of time he spends um, and cut down his income, but to create more leverage, right? So it really, again, speaks to you, you know, what does Corey care about? Corey cares about delivering value. Yes, obviously, you know, he takes the money, he's making great money, but I just wanted, you know, leaders to kind of capture that it's not always about maximizing revenue at every point it's about maximizing good revenue and and obviously as well then you can have better coaching conversations you can deliver more value you're enjoying it more etc right and you've only got so much time time on this planet let's make it good time right and frankly one of the reasons why we're doing these podcasts is actually to to help our young leaders actually listen to more and more you know incredible alumni and and gain wisdom and, and oh wow yeah that makes so much sense gee I should do that and and so that it doesn't all have to be learned from the front of the room or in a
0: manual or in a district manager conversation for sure you know it's like back I can still remember some of our trainings and that sort of thing it's like oh wow I wish we would have recorded that you know that was just a great talk that was just a great this or a great that and uh, now there's no reason not to with the technology the way it is. Right. So now you can capture it forever. And then, you know, thousands of people can hear that story, except for the you know, not like back when uh, back in the day, when it was maybe only the people in the room or the people that were, you know, around you hearing the story or having that conversation before the alumni laughter, so And it's neat as well. It's not a, a secret. You know, what Corey said is he's
1: he's a multimillionaire and he's spending loads of time listening to podcasts in his downtown going and still doing more trainings. I know, I know he just made a huge investment a couple of years ago to see, you know, Anthony Robbins be part of his platinum group and, you know, learn, learn from, you know, I hear Anthony Robbins on a lot of the things that you've been saying, but all sorts of people, because again, you're really well-trained and well-coached and, and well-read. But I know Anthony Robbins is a, is a big name in the, in the um, uh, leadership and training development world. What
0: sort of things did you take away from the year you spent really heavily invested in, in learning from Tony and his team? I guess Tony Robbins really boils this down to everybody has six different human needs, right? So, and one of my biggest human needs is for growth and development as well as contribution. When I was looking at, you know, was sort of like plateauing a bit in my, my personal and professional career. So I just said, hey, I've, uh, you know, I just, I've, I've literally had this ticket for a Tony Robbins event for two years. I'm just going to finally go. So I went to the event and uh, j- he just delivered so much value for what I spent for the ticket, which was like a thousand or $1,500, which might sound like a lot to a student, but you know, when you uh, spend three and a half days with somebody at Tony Robbins level who has like a three-year waiting list and his minimum to do business with him is a million dollars and a cut of your profit, that's that's pretty good value to get in the room with him. And uh, I think he, for less, like $500 American or something like that. So... I saw the value that he, that he provided and he wasn't super salesy. And I just said, you know what, I want to be around this guy a little bit more and had been following him since the nineties, which I'm I'm sure you have been too, Chris. for Sure. I have too, for sure. Yes. You know, I saw his documentary and, and just super powerful message and he's really coming into himself when it comes to social media and his reach and his, and his following and stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing I took away is like, he's able to take really complicated, um, you know, messages or concepts and just literally like, I've I got four books of notes from all the, I went to like 14 events with him and they're all like one and two sentence, you know, wisdom. So for someone that can take something that's very complicated and just water it down into like one or two sentences, it's huge. And I think everybody needs that. Like if, if you can't explain something like this to uh, you know, it's funny with my kids now they're growing up and they just ask me the other day like daddy, what's investing. So, you know, now you have to come up with a definition that would work for a six year old. Well, you got to be able to make this work for customers and people that you want to hire in life. Yeah. I mean, if it's too complicated and if I don't understand it, a confused mind doesn't really do anything. It just moves on. So just keep things simple yet professional and sometimes less is more. That's great. And by the way, just a, a pitch
1: for Tony. He's got a free podcast you can listen to for our young leaders. So yeah, because that's something as well, Corey, that I noted, you know, uh, obviously we've been friends for a long, long time. And I noted noted that my sense of things were you were pretty content, you know, obviously, you know, financial ducks in the row it looked to me like, again, family and everything was in a row. Everything was clearly really from anyone's lens, you know, very, very successful to massively successful, depends how your scale is. And then all of a sudden, just recently, it just seems like, boom, you just went on a whole other trajectory. What
0: was what was that decision about? What do you think? I think we all have a purpose, right? Like, if you feel like your purpose isn't really being fulfilled, it can be, you know, very unsatisfying. So, I mean, my goal was to, first of all, have a very, you know, happy and successful family. So once that was on track and, you know, sure. the kids are out of diapers and they can feed uh, themselves and all that sort of stuff, right? You know, having kids is very hands-on the first couple of years or once they're in the school system, then I'm like, the, the goal is to, to grow our number of doors and to, you know, just expand my reach and the, you know, the mission and the purpose and all that sort of stuff to help other people. Cause I, I don't like to see people struggle, you know, and it, it's amazing when you just put your mind to it and you just um, start thinking bigger, typically bigger things start to happen. Right. We were actually putting in offers on apartment buildings. We weren't getting any. So now we, we have this opportunity come across our lap to buy a 12,000 square foot church. And we're going to, we're going to build our own, you know, bloody apartment building out of it, right? So there's going to be 29 units that go into that uh, that church in a years. So pretty cool. Pretty neat. Pretty neat.
1: For our leaders, again, what what Corey's focused on is contribution, not focused on what he can get. He's focused on contributing, focused on, on again, serving people's needs about, hey, they need rental space and they want a really good t- t- landlord and they want a really good space. Corey can go provide that, right? And And in that way, it's a great, it's a great space. And and certainly as well, I, you know, for me, that's what I focus on as well as a leader and and in running my business is, is is contributing and it just feels good. And it's really creative as well. Uh, Obviously your, your business is so creative uh, in the, in the opportunities that you've, you've taken on. So thinking back, like we've been talking a lot of good things, but I know not only good things have happened to you. What about your biggest failures or mistakes and how did you learn from
0: those? For sure. I guess in business, you know, it would probably be like not delegating enough. You know, I really wish I would have delegated more. Definitely could have run a bigger business and provided more value to more people in the seasons and years that I was around. So as far as big, big failures, I mean, I never went, you know, felt flat on my face, you know, too too many times. But, you know, there's definitely days where you're super challenged and, you know, you just got to get through them, guys. Like the some of the biggest takeaways I can have for people on the... On the podcast here is that you will be challenged and that's a good thing it's just you're stretching you're growing you're getting stronger that's you know just like in sports or anything else that's how you get better things right make sure you have your eyes wide open with what you're going into i mean you know i I do see people that bite out way too much way too much than uh, way more than they can chew or they just try to you know let's say student works analogy try to go produce way bigger of of a job than they're capable of in the beginning it's You got to get, you know, you don't go run a marathon before you run a 5k. I mean, there's got to be a pecking order to everything. Right. And yeah, uh, you know, I guess I've just always been a very mindful, thoughtful person of like, Hey, what would make sense? And, you know, making sure that you think through your decisions is is extremely important or ask yourself the right questions. Right. And, you know, you ask better questions, you're going to get better answers. So don't be afraid to sometimes slow it down a little bit. And if you're, if you're struggling, it's just like, do a mind dump, pull it out, get it on paper and just go, Hey, this is actually manageable. What are the most important things I got to focus on to get myself out of XYZ situation? And, and don't be discouraged. You know, when you, when you go dig your, dig a hole and stick your head in it for like days and weeks on end, it doesn't help anybody. Right. So I know uh, Tony Robbins has like this 90 second rule where like he literally will only get upset about something for, you know, 60 to 90 seconds. And then you have, um, is it Mel, Mel Robbins? She's, she got the second rules. you know, it's just like, okay, whether you want to do something or not, just okay. One, two, three, four, five, just, get started doing it. Like, I mean, that the most successful people have great habits, great work ethic, and they just keep plowing through and keep moving forward. It's so important in life. I
1: actually got that five second rule book on my, on my desk right now. And, and again, in, in some ways it's the opposite of what you're talking about. And it's the same, you know, uh, Mel Robbins concept is, gee, should I call this client? I don't know. And just, pick up the phone and call the client, you know, get into action. And that action will build habits and and you'll move forward. And, Oh, I don't know. Should I do these, these sort of things that people procrastinate on, you know, that's what she's speaking about. And that's true. And then what is also true is what Corey's done. Well, Corey's done the five second rule often, 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 tremendously disciplined and committed and focused and doesn't get stuck in his tracks. And on the other hand, practicing patience, right. And thoughtfulness and don't get too extended one of the biggest things about real estate is the market is not always going to go up for a lot of people that's all they've experienced but no the market is not always going to go up and if it goes down Corey's going to be okay because cory hasn't overextended himself and so it's preparing always preparing for that rainy day and you're right you may have been wealthier had you not but you know every night you're going to sleep and things aren't going to fall off around you and that that seems really sensible to me and you've had again, fires in your property and all, you know, and again, lots of really, really challenging situations, but those are not life-threatening or, or sorry, financial threatening or
0: whatever. And those are, those are, you know, big lessons for people. That's right. And it helps if you buy on sale, we always buy all our properties at some kind of a discount. So you're, you're kind of insulated in case the market changes, then it's like, Hey, that's fine. Cause I got this thing on sale anyways, or I, I boosted the value big time anyways, right now. So. Right. So that's whenever whenever you you
1: always say that you make your money on the buy. So you basically always buy for less.
0: You know, typically, how many properties do you look at, Corey, before you buy a property? What's what's the average? Um, it, it's hard to say, right? But I, I always try to relate it a little bit back to photography because I, I was also heavily into photography. So there's like this 2 to 4% rule where... Only two to four percent of photographer uh, photographs will be like amazing. You know, that's that's just like they call it a framer. You know, you want to frame that one, and put it up on the wall. Okay. So you know, you do have to look at a lot of deals. And I guess for me, I'll look at a lot on my computer. I won't actually physically go there in person because movement actually slows you down in any. You know, for but, sure. Yes. You know, whether yeah. it's war or business or life, just you know, the, if you're just traveling all over the place seeing stuff, it doesn't really get you much further. Um, but you know, definitely looking at dozens and dozens, if not you know, hundreds before I'll actually go and, you know, make, I'll make offers, but not all the offers will get accepted either. So it really is like that 50 right. to one, 100 to one kind of thing. Well, that's a great thing. So the same sort of thing, Hey, with
1: the one, 2%, 3% thing, you know, and again, like you said, I'll, you, you don't need to see everyone because that would be a waste of time. You know, Hey, this thing called the internet, right? Here's this thing called Google. You can see it and listen to it. Uh, sorry. And, and get all the information or a lot of the information there before you go out.
0: I don't want you know, in some of my last words there. I don't want people to always think like, oh, I got to move slow and be so thoughtful about things. It's like I think people have to understand my personality type. Like I'm just like I put my head down and just like run for the finish line driver, right? Like, you know, Chris is a super high D. I'm, or sorry, Chris is a super high I, like 99, 100 percentile. I'm a super high D. So sometimes I have to actually put some of these checks and measures in place to be like, okay, you know, once or once or twice a week, I just slow things down and just be really mindful you know, ask myself these questions I should be asking, right? Because otherwise I'd just hit a brick wall and just smash myself. So,
1: yeah, no. And, and that's it, eh, Corey? It's, it's like, you know, for sure. And, and I definitely wanted to make sure that that's clear as well. Corey is action oriented, driven, results driven, results oriented. And at the same time, thoughtful, not going to go try to jump over, uh, you know, some huge Valley and, and smash. And that's why, again, the mentorship, the coaching, the guides are so important to go and say, Hey, Bring this to your mentor. What do you think? Am I too stretched? Okay, no, you're in good, good shape. Okay, you know, again, you can go to your banker. If, you're, if, if your banker's not checking off on your deal, then there's a problem probably with the deal. I remember my father taught me that. It's like, hey, if your banker doesn't think it's a good deal, it's probably not a good deal, right? You know, so, you know, again, early on, hey, you're looking to get the rental property and higher interest rate. Well, hold on, maybe it's not such a good idea. Hold on, I got to get this in shape. If someone was considered venturing out into the entrepreneurial world, Corey, what advice
0: would you give them? Uh, just make sure you're ready for it. You know, like a lot of uh, a lot of people will say they want to be an entrepreneur, and I, I think entrepreneurs are awesome. And the the world of entrepreneurs is increasing all the time, which we need more and more. We need less big big businesses and more uh, you know world uh, world leader changers here. Just make sure you're ready for it. Right, it's it's a lot of hard work, and you know if, if you got an uh, if you have an allergy against hard work, don't. Don't even bother signing up. I mean, it's, uh, it, it was pretty cool on my way to my vacation here, which was funded by real estate. You know, I was watching this great documentary on the, on the plane. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Chris, but In Search of Greatness. Um, you know, here it is on my phone. It's, you know, it's, they interviewed like Wayne Gretzky and all Pele and all these amazing people. You know, what made you so great at sports? Well, it, it didn't seem like work. You know, it didn't seem like work. Like I would, I would shoot hoops or shoot pucks until well past the sun went down. It just felt like play. You know, I really enjoy business. I really enjoy having some sort of a value or a service that I can provide to other people. And if you're not the kind of person that um, wants to solve problems or deliver value, then it's probably not the right uh, opportunity for you. It's
1: true. Uh, I feel the same way, right? It's not work. It's, you know, doing, doing this, I guess we're providing a lot of value here. It's not work. It's just, let's talk about things. You know, take lots of calls at night, take lots of calls in the weekend or whatever. And on the other hand, I'm also good at again being off and taking time, and and one thing as well, just to note, I say this as just kind of a shout out to to Corey as a as a father and his family first. I know he has a policy does not take any calls before ten a.m. in the morning, so he he, he takes care of the boys in the morning and you know gets them off to school, gets all the things organized, which again is really great. And one of the advantages of being an entrepreneur, I get to choose when I work. I get to choose when I don't 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 want to work. And
0: if we we're always choosing work, then that's not very healthy either. For sure. And so, something I learned as a franchisee way back in the day is like, if you've given it your best that day, hey, sleep well at night, put it up on the shelf. Don't let all the stuff that's happening. What, what are you going to do about an issue or, or a challenge at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night? Really, it's like, it's kind of weird to call people at that time of the night. So don't even bother. Stop texting and just, you got to set some boundaries and just be able to put up on a, on a shelf. And um, typically your energy level dips throughout the day, anyways. So how hard can you hit it at 9, 10 o'clock at night? Probably not all that hard. So go get a good night's sleep and um, just wake up and, you know, seize the day again. You know, it's those people that keep going up and showing up and showing up every day. Consistency is so huge. It's, it's so, so important. And also making sure you have some time off, too, is very, very important, too. If
1: someone wanted to do what you do, Corey, what key habits would they steal from you? What's the secret to your success?
0: I guess real estate, just like anything else, it, it is a business and it can be systemized. Um, for an outsider, I guess it looks really willy-nilly. It's like, oh yeah, just all these good deals are falling into somebody's lap. It's it's definitely not the case. There is a lot of work and a lot of things that behind the scenes that go into uh, into a proper real estate investment. And uh yeah, there is sometimes, you know, what people might call as luck or whatever, but it's like, you know, I'm a big believer that if you put in enough hard work um and enough consistency, then the luck is just a byproduct. Everybody's gonna get some luck anyways, whether it's a couple percent of your life and it just it just happens, right? So but The biggest thing is just make sure that you uh, don't take advice from people that have never done what you want to do. There's so many people out there that uh, there's a lot of homeowners in Canada. But when you look at how many people own two or more properties, the numbers fall dramatically like off a cliff. I mean, you know, there might be out of 100 homeowners, how many actually own two houses? It's like five. You know, so go talk to those five that own more than one and make sure that other one is a rental property and that they've actually done well with it. And they've held it for five or 10 years or something like that. Right. So don't take advice from people that have never done what you're doing. Same with, you know, in the student painting world, has your uncle was a drunk uncle Bob, has he ever actually run, you know, a, a quarter million dollars successful painting business over a long time. Okay. Then if not, then don't take advice from, from him at Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. So I'll take it from Chris and the family. You know, Chris is, Highly, highly successful. At what he's done, you know, when you actually do the math of like how many entrepreneurs have actually been in business for thirty years, I mean, the stat is like fractions of a percent. I mean, it's just so small.
1: And so Corey's referring my drunk uncle Bob story is, is a story I, I tell every November, just about operators bumping into their drunk uncle Bob, and they tell them about oh, why this program wouldn't work, or you know, potentially do, and 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 we make fun of, of that person. If you want to be a professor, go talk to a professor about what their career is like. If you want to be a banker, go talk to a banker about how to have a successful banking career. If you want to be a, a leader, go talk to leaders. Go talk to entrepreneurs. You know, go talk to senior managers, you know. So we think that's a really smart thing. And, and uh, you want to be a teacher, go talk to teachers. And not don't talk to other people, but those are the people who i most be interested in what they have to say. They're really successful people. So that I could pursue that path. So yeah, we're we're aligned there for sure, Corey. So final question, um, and then you get to go off and hang hang out in Arizona with your kids and and, and wife. And thank
0: you again. What do you think when you think of a leader of tomorrow? What comes to mind? I do know that the leader of uh, tomorrow does still need to uh, practice the fundamentals of success, but they also have to be, you know, probably more flexible than ever. Um, probably more. Um, fluid than ever and be able to react quickly because it's, it's a very, uh, very quick, you know, pace changing world. And if people are just going to be stuck there, you know, again, like we talked about before, like what was me and, Oh, I had a bad day and that turned into a bad week and a bad month. It's like, man, you're going to get, you can't afford to have a bad day, you know, and tomorrow's economy Um, you'll just get totally smoked. So it's just, you know, be quick, quick to react and just be, You know be open-minded and and very fluid because it's uh and you don't don't resist change you got to go with change and actually uh try to be ahead of change wherever you can um by that wave of change it's 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 very very important for sure yeah and there's just so much change
1: coming and on the other hand it's it's an amazing time to be living i don't think there's ever been a better time than right now Corey, thank you so much i'm so appreciative of you coming and spending time in your holiday so uh you go enjoy yourself my pleasure Hey leaders, we've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed or better yet, tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders, apart from the crowd, at such a young age.